Welcome to The Five Things This Week in Social. This is the Webby Award-winning podcast that looks at five stories from social data, content, and tech to give you something to listen to while you're searching for that perfect gift for that special person or just getting something for yourself. If you're a marketer, an advertiser, or a creator, or anyone who makes a living by using social platforms, then you are listening to the right podcast. Today on the show, we welcome back Abby Ness. Hello, Abby. Hey, Joey. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Do you have any fun holiday traditions? Ooh, yeah. I'm from Minnesota, so we're always ice skating on the lake. Maybe not Christmas. It's usually not completely frozen, but definitely New Year's. So that's a real thing, like ice skating on lakes. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds <laughs> a little dangerous, but very fun. It is. It's the best. And back again, it is Alex Black. Hello, Alex. Hi, Joey. Same question for you, my friend. Anything that you and or your family do every holiday season? Mm, So we are definitely Christmas people. And the two main things is one, putting up the fake Christmas tree. I know that that is very controversial, but it is a whole endeavor that brings our family together. And the other is opening presents on Christmas Eve Mm. because I just can't wait and know my family likes to wake up early. So that sounds truly magical. Well, I'm Joey Scarillo, and a few days before Christmas, my family and I will spend a whole day going to the markets in Pittsburgh called the Strip District. We get our fish for Christmas Eve, the deli meats, the best cheeses, and it's just, it's always a great day that I just love so, so much. Okay. Well, speaking of traditions, here are the five things. First, Alex gets into a big headline about Elon Musk, who had some choice words for advertisers. Then Abby talks about a new study that suggests young people are only on social because of FOMO. Alex talks TikTok, who launched a new series of creative cards with data-backed prompts designed to help businesses think about content ideas. Abby tells us a story about the older population in China who are using social apps to find connections. And finally, Alex explains Instagram's new podcast with Doja Cat and Ice Spice called Close Friends Only. Okay, there is so much and no shortage of things for the end of the year. Alex, let's talk about the big one. Elon Musk had some big words or four-letter words for advertisers. Elon is at it again, honestly, entertainer of the year over here. So earlier this month, there were some true boycotts from some of the biggest brands in the world following other choice words that Elon had around some of the political and social climate right now. I think everyone kind of has an opinion on what he had to say. But Nonetheless, as big brands like IBM, X, and Disney start to boycott X, there's become a little bit of a ripple effect. And recently at a panel when asked about it, Elon said that advertisers can go sleep themselves. It was a way almost in martyrdom because the whole message was if big advertisers continue to boycott, then the company will die. And it's because of them that X and this amazing platform will no longer exist. So very interesting turn with that messaging. Well, I mean, this is a very interesting story. And already the internet has created a meme of Elon about it. Wild, to say the least, that he would say that. But I'm curious, Abby, how do you think brands will respond to what Elon had to say? Well, I think that, you know, we have quite a few channels when we look at social and 
if brands aren't comfortable or confident in the the leadership at X or the future of what that platform might look like, there's a lot of other opportunities to explore in other platforms outside of X. And I think that it would be wise to start looking at, you know, your channel strategy for 2024 and deciding whether you view that as a valuable platform and whether you want to take that risk. Alex, you mentioned that Elon said that if X fails, it will because advertisers dropped out. Do you agree with that? Or do you think if X fails, it's because of Elon Musk's leadership? I think to me, obviously, the latter, his rhetoric, his attacks, his constant little quips that continue to put X in a bad spot. I mean, every social media platform has always had a little bit of trouble, especially when it comes to security and privacy. But this is the first time where we've really seen a public figure totally trash an entire company. So as wise as it might be, again, to Abby's point, to reevaluate your channel strategy, it truly is Elon that is turning everyone off because a lot of people were fine before. Speaking of before, I remember a time on this podcast where we used to speak very highly of Twitter and never mention the words Elon Musk. And uh, those were simpler days. All right, let's move on, friends. So a new study suggests that young people are only on social because of FOMO. Abby, first off, remind us what FOMO is, if somehow we forgot, and tell us a little bit about this story. Well, as you all know, or should know at this point, FOMO is the fear of missing out. But I'm going to start with a little trip down memory lane. So if you have been on the internet for more than, you know, once, you've probably seen this meme that's kind of called, that's enough internet for today. Usually after seeing something unsatisfactory or disturbing on Instagram, some may even ask themselves, why am I on this platform? Well, turns out there's one pretty straightforward reason we're staying on social, and it's relatively simple. You guessed it. It's FOMO. A study conducted by University of Chicago cites FOMO as the main reason young people are staying on Instagram and TikTok which isn't entirely surprising, especially given the nature of meme culture and rapidly evolving trends and drama. And when they're asked whether they would voluntarily delete TikTok and Instagram, college students responded that they would actually require a payment of around $60 to deactivate either account. But that's just for themselves. In the you know other complete contrast is if others were to delete their accounts, they would actually pay up to $28 for them to delete their accounts, which, you know, further shows that this idea of we're all on because everyone else is versus, you know, we're on for that original intention of that, you know, nice, close connection and staying in touch. And, you know, close to 60% of those asked said they would prefer to live in an IG and TikTok-less world. Can you imagine it? I can't. (laughs) But with this in mind, you know, a few things are clear. Social media isn't the end all be all for marketing to younger audiences. While we've seen, you know, rapid growth on social with, you know, brands really scrambling in the last couple of years to, you know, stay a part of that online conversation, other channels still remain relevant to these younger audiences, especially when it comes to fostering that overall brand equity and allegiance. It's about what you do versus just showing up in the places that matter. And then next is unless we wake up in an opposite world like Freaky Friday, social isn't going anywhere. Since we're continuing to see the emergence of, you know, new social platforms like Laps, which was talked about on the podcast last week, and expanded advertising offerings on, you know, platforms like TikTok, Instagram, and others. But what brands really can do is, you know, provide some sort of utility. A lot of these younger audiences said that they would keep 
the Maps app and get rid of TikTok and Instagram, which I think just shows that, you know, when you're on your phone, you want something that's going to do something for you. And so we can kind of move beyond, you know, that trends and influence and really give some of that more informational or utility content that addresses and alleviates those barriers and challenges for for the young consumer. Alex, I feel like that news about young people deciding to keep the Maps app over some of these social platforms goes contrary to what we'll probably hear over the holidays from some of our older relatives saying about young people these days. But I'm, I'm curious from your point of view, do you believe this data? Did anything jump out to you here? And does this seem consistent with what you're seeing when you work with brands and just talk to people in the world? Yeah, in a lot of ways, it's not surprising. We continue to see studies of young people and people of all ages wanting to be on the internet less, especially coming out of the quarantine time of the pandemic where we were chronically online and people wanting to touch grass, which is another (laughs) big meme um, in internet culture. But with that, hearing that people would pay $28 for me to delete my social media apps. Think my student loans could take a nice hit real quick. But it is really interesting to hear the point that people would pay for their friends or for anyone to do a significant change on social media. I'm definitely a big FOMO person. I think I have been a very chronic social media, at least scroller, if not poster. So to the point of culture is truly on social. Even if you don't watch a TV episode or the Super Bowl, you're still going to be able to see it all over social media. So it is a part of our daily lives. I also don't think it's going anywhere. But this study really shows how deep our desire to disconnect really goes. Yeah, a few weeks ago on the podcast, right before Thanksgiving, we had Amelia Harubi on and we talked about ways you can disconnect from social, even just for the holidays and be more in the moment. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, highly suggest you checking out that conversation on this feed. All right, let's jump into TikTok, who launched a new series of creative cards with data-backed prompts designed to help businesses think on content ideas. Alex, explain all that to me. I would love to, Joey. So in a new edition, obviously we see small businesses coming to TikTok more and more. The cart feature and the buy now feature has been huge. Virality for products here and there has only gotten bigger. So for those small businesses that are maybe struggling to try to reach that level or even know what content to produce, we talk about the algorithm and not knowing how it works all the time. And that's even for us on the agency side with big brands. So of course, small businesses need a little pick me up and support too. So these creative cards are broken up into five categories community, edutainment, creator tools, trends, and storytelling, and are each backed by data just to kind of show what might work for them, for their audience, and they can trust these type of prompts to figure out what works best for them. Um, Abby, which of these, which of these cards, which one of these categories do you think, if you were a small business, you would be most interested in? 
I think 100% community, especially if you're, you know, have a, a standalone store or even if you're e-commerce and you live in specific niches of interest. I know there's a lot of like crystal sellers that are like very, you know, <laughs> sorry, but, but really there's, you know, all of these really niche things that you can you find on TikTok that you might not even know. And they kind of, I would say, go past just simply buying a product and they've already started to create this sort of community within their customers. And so I think that that's easily the card that I would choose if I was a small business. Okay, Alex, you can't pick community, but which one of these cards do you think you would be most interested in? I'm a sucker for edutainment. Just being able to find your own brand voice, how you want to appeal, the fun that you can have that's been more and more important recently, as well as teaching people what you are, what you have to offer, how to use it. Because there are often, of course, awareness barriers, but also consideration barriers when you don't even know what you're looking at. And especially with TikTok, where you have maybe two seconds to grab attention, those type of prompts nowadays are going to help more and more. Yeah. Okay. And I'll bite too. I would pick the storytelling one. I love knowing like behind the scenes stories or origin stories. I mean, if I had a brand and anybody was interested in listening to what I had to say, I think that's the one I would pick. All right, let's move on to this cool story from China. Abby's going to tell us about how the older population there are using social apps to find connections, which seems a little contrary to what we might have believed before. So, Abby, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so China's version of TikTok, which is called Daoyan, I think is how you pronounce it, is helping to fight loneliness and isolation for their elderly population. And, you know, there's been a couple of really key factors that have sort of kind of created this 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 loneliness among that, that generation. First, COVID-19 really acted as that pivotal point in prompting older individuals to adopt social media for you know, news, entertainment, and just overall connection. And with kind of this lower phone call, cost and data costs that they've introduced and this sort of shift to high regulation on TV. You know, elderly populations have been yearning for this sort of relatable content, which works really well in a short form video app. And it, it really answers that sort of unmet need. There's also this huge shift of the traditional familial expectations. So a lot of elderly folks are moving to be closer to their family ties, their grandkids, their kids. And, you know, those connections from where they previously lived are starting to sort of dissipate, which, you know, enter social, the perfect place to, to stay connected with faraway friends. And then also we see this a lot where elderly people start to kind of lose their place in the conversation. And what social media really does is it continues to kind of give space for older people to really exist, especially in this ever-evolving world focused on, you know, youth and advancement. But on Douyin, grandparents can see people from all over the world doing activities that they once enjoyed. They're able to kind of reminisce on their past lives. And they can actually, you know, create their own videos speaking to what they're seeing. And it's not necessarily for a content creation viewpoint that, you know, we usually think of, but rather sort of this mental health play of just something to create, something to do, a new skill to learn, if you will. And they're really kind of carrying their past lives, their past knowledge into this and, and really educating others with this sort of video creation. 
And for brands with older audiences, I think the biggest piece of advice is, you know, don't disregard social as a major driver for brand community, especially in these older populations. They're on platforms, they're looking at our content, and they really want to be present and acknowledged. If anything, our elderly population are kind of craving those experiences that we as marketers try so hard to create, especially, you know, speaking to community like we did in the previous thing. And they might be even more accepting to that experience in comparison to their younger counterparts. Okay, I'm going to admit something to both of you. I've been watching The Golden Bachelor. I might not be fully caught up, but I have been watching. And so this really hits home right now, maybe just because that's sort of top of mind. But I'm curious, Alex, if you sort of agree with this notion that social finds a way to fit into our lives based on our behaviors. And I think it was really interesting in what Abby was explaining, how the older population in China really found a way to make this app work for them based on one, where they were in their lives, and two, trying to connect with people as they've moved away and moved closer to family, connecting with people that are not in their close bubble anymore. So I guess the question here is, do you do you find that might be the secret sauce to what makes a platform really work is, is just finding that way into our lives? At the end of the day, these platforms were built for people to connect and to find their people, to find inspiration. So for the older population, kind of pivoting between nostalgia and aspiration has been a huge thing because they don't really see themselves reflected often. Golden Bachelor is probably a great reference. I've also been watching. Hit me up on LinkedIn with thoughts. <laughs> but there have been a lot of really great sound bites of contestants and people saying how this can prove they are not to be forgotten and they are not to be just seen as older and disconnected. So as much as we don't want to encourage people to be even more chronically online, and part of this is a little bit sad and that that is where people feel like they can only find connection at that age. It is really powerful to see how us as advertisers need to pay attention to that. Yeah, I think I think that's so, so true. It's like, don't forget about this population on social when they're clearly on these platforms. I know in this country, you know, a lot of the older populations on Facebook. I know, you know, it's Facebook is where I go to connect with friends and family who I haven't talked to in a long time because that's where they are. Yeah. I mean, Abby, did you have anything else you wanted to add on this one? Yeah, I think it's really interesting also that Alex brings up nostalgia because we know for a fact that Gen Z is very focused on that nostalgic element as well. And we've seen so much programming around how there's this really interesting connection between younger people and older people, and they actually benefit one another from a mental health perspective. And so I wonder if that's kind of where this is going next is some sort of connection between people that you may not assume would be connected, you know, those older people and those younger people, but maybe that has some space here as well. Yeah. I would trust maybe somebody in the baby boomer generation to going back to our earlier conversation, be able to find that balance between social. Of course, I can't speak for everybody, but even more so because, they, you know, they've lived a life without all these platforms, whereas millennials, you know, sort of came into it and, and Gen Z, of course, just literally grew up with it. So it's so interesting. And I think we're just at an interesting time with all these generations on these platforms and in the world right now. All right. Let's get into our fifth and final thing. You know, I love talking about podcasts on this podcast. So Alex, tell us about Instagram launching a new podcast with Doja Cat and Ice Spice, and it's called Close Friends Only. Yeah, it's really fun to talk about a podcast on a podcast, almost meta, if you will. Oh, I see what you did there. That's good. <laughs> 
I've been preparing that one all morning. <laughs> but yeah, so Instagram released a new podcast called Close Friends Only. And it's meant to be an ongoing podcast with celebrities that specifically focus on trends mostly. So fashion, culture, what they bring to the table, what inspires them. So I listened to the first podcast with Doja Cat and Ice Spice, and it was super fun. They've been on tour together. They obviously have a good rapport. It kicked off, obviously, very much letting you know that this is an Instagram podcast. Maybe a hot take, but as much as I love them and find them super amazing, there was a little bit of drinking the Kool-Aid in the upfront of where do you get your inspiration? Oh, of course it's Instagram. Like, let's talk about your DMs. Or it's like, oh, I love connecting with fans and comments and DMs. So although that could totally be true, there was definitely a little bit of a brand push in a way that I was hoping would not be and that this platform could kind of just stand on its own. But it was really cool to hear them kind of talking as friends. They talked about celebrity crushes. They talked about the core fashion that they're really into right now. Of course, Y2K came up. But I think generally this podcast, this platform will be really great, not only for Instagram as a brand, but just to continuously connect with celebrities on a new level that only Instagram or other platforms like it could really do. Yeah, we talked about branded podcasts back in August or September after podcast movement. And, you know, I think branded podcasts are just such an interesting and like amazing way for a brand to share their story and share their values. But to your point, it it does get a little bit when you sort of hit people over the head with it, especially in the upfront, it can feel a little bit like, yeah, like you said, drinking the Kool-Aid or or just a little bit too heavy handed on the brand. I'm curious, Abby, have you ever listened to a branded podcast? I can't believe I'm about to say this, but not entirely. I'm a huge fan of how I built this, which in a sense is kind of a branded podcast, because if you're on there and you're speaking about how you built your brand, there's obviously some awareness building and education that comes with that. But I I have not listened to a branded podcast in this in the traditional sense. Great. Well, if you are out there and you're curious about branded podcasts, you can hit me up on LinkedIn and I can give you some suggestions. Abby, I will certainly send you a few as well. It's funny that you mention How I Built This because I often will compare Gray Matter, our other podcast here at Gray, to How I Built This, saying that you know How I Built This talks about how people built the company and built the brand. And Gray Matter is a little bit like the prequel, talking about where the idea came from and the problem we're trying to solve. Did not intend for that to turn into a quick little ad. Okay, well, that does it for us today, friends. If you don't already, be sure to follow us, share us, review us, like us, or write to us with your questions, comments, concerns, points of interest, or complaints, or just send us a thing you want us to discuss. You can do all of that by emailing us at podcasts at gray.com. Connect with us on Spotify by sharing your thoughts on the show. Just look for that Q&A field. Topics discussed on this show are written and researched by the social and connections team at Gray New York with help this week from our wonderful panel, Abby Ness and Alex Black. The podcast is produced by me, Joey Scarillo, with Samantha Geller, and post-production by Amanda Fuentes, Guy Rosemarin, and Ned Martin at Gramercy Park Studios. Marketing and communication support from Adrian Hopkins, Christina Hyde, and Jada Hines. Next week on the pod, we will bring you something special before we take off for the holidays. Then our regular five things will resume in January. 
That's it for us. Thank you, listener. And please, as always, be social. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.